0: This is an AMI podcast.
1: I would like to acknowledge that this podcast was produced and hosted on the unceded ancestral and traditional lands of the Coast Salish peoples, in particular the Squamish, the Musqueam, and the tsleil First Peoples. This is colonially known as Vancouver, British Columbia. I was recently reading about the salmon, which has been the primary food source of Coast Salish peoples for thousands of years. As well as being a nourishing provider, the salmon symbolizes abundance, fertility, prosperity, and renewal, and is highly respected by Coast Salish peoples. Well, hello everyone, and welcome to Accessing Art with Amy. I'm your host, Amy Amanti. My pronouns are she, her. Kim Kitchen is a talented, talented human being. Um, She's an artist, and she's exhibited paintings and sculptures, mixed-media, installations, performance, photography, you name it, all across Canada. But there is something that is different now about Kim's artistic practice. So, after the onset of her disability about seven years ago, she's found this new love for film and for soundscape. But of course, the one thing that has not changed for Kim is that her practice is still very much driven by the materials that are found in the natural environment that are all around her home in Northern Ontario. So, please let's give Kim a warm welcome.
0: Hi there, my name is Kim Kitchen. I'm a
1: multidisciplinary artist, she, her are my pronouns. Kim, so great to have you on Accessing Art with Amy. Thank you for spending some time with us.
0: Thank you for having me, Amy.
1: So let's jump right on in because uh, you're a multidisciplinary artist, you live with disability. What does that mean for you specifically?
0: Well, disability arrived seven years ago with uh, rheumatoid, severe rheumatoid. So I have, depending on the day, various mobility issues. Luckily, I have AIDS to Independence that help me navigate those days. But it really transformed, I mean, of course, my world and my art practice from being a solo artist, making work alone in my gallery, sculpting, painting, mixed media work, performance, to then you know, really struggling with capacity when, when rheumatoid arrived. So now I, I'm working in audio and film, doing installation work. I have an exhibition coming up where I've spent three years working on this body of work. But I work in a team. I apply for grants with the Canada Council and the Ontario Arts Council. And under Deaf and Disability Support, I, I apply for people to uh, help me facilitate this work.
1: So what does the team look like? Because you said you've got a, a little team together to help facilitate the work. Who's Who's on this team of yours?
0: So while they're all extraordinary humans and and from Northern Ontario, I have a personal support worker that looks after my personal needs. So when we went on a shoot for four days on the south shore of Lake Nipissing out on islands, you know, this person is caring for all my personal needs in a day. Mm -hmm. And this allows me to strategically have my energy go into the making of the work. I have a videographer, a uh, photographer, and I have a sound engineer. And and again, you know, working in a team, I mean, you're, you're faced with other people's scheduling and, you know, it, it becomes a very different experience of coordinating. And in the beginning, I was really questioning, is this really my work?
1: hmm. Yeah.
0: But after now this second project, because my first project was a spoken word soundscape and that had like four really daily members of my team who I worked with. But this latest to reconvene to Shoreline uh, that opened September 16th at the WKP Kennedy Gallery here in North Bay, I've had a team of seven. And so just a very different experience. However, it is no doubt my work. Like I, I didn't know that until I really finished it, you know. But those people are there to do, you know, their what they are, are their expertise in. And they provide and facilitate uh, for me to create what I have envisioned, right? So I'm directing and... It's just all about the work.
1: And it's such a, I think it's such a really important point that you bring up because forever in a day, I think artists with disabilities have been, have been told, told, I guess with air quotes, that if they aren't doing the work themselves, it's not their work. Right. But then when we think back to artists um, from any genre over the history of art, you know, uh, Da Vinci and Michelangelo, and we think about the Sistine Chapel and all of those those artists had apprentice artists that were doing most of the painting, but nobody talks about that when they, you know, talk about Michelangelo's Sistine Chapel, (laughs) you know, we forget that there took, it took hundreds of painters to put that piece together.
0: No, exactly. Right. It's just
1: his name on it. Right. So I think this idea, this idea of being able to find folks to support you so that you can do the work that I'm going to say, that's a superpower.
0: I totally agree. I, you yeah. know, to be able to ask for what you need, to articulate clearly, uh, to spend time with, you know, other artists who, I mean, when we were doing these these shoots out on this island, we 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 rarely talked. Like they, you know, I we had been working on the project. I mean, you know, kind of what I had envisioned and all the details of that you know they had received all that and they know me as a person so you know we were just so in tune there was very little talking they knew exactly what i was there to do yeah yeah um but as far as you know this whole social scene again of of you know kind of a interdependence that we work in a way where i support you and you support me i mean those artists i'm that are working on my team um you know, the great exchanges is that they're learning all about how you support an artist with disabilities.
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: Um, you know, in best practice and, you know, how we move through all of those uncomfortable moments to really serve each other. It's incredible. But, you know, let's face it, let's face it, that women like Judy Chicago, Yeah, you know, one of my faves, who inspires me greatly to this day is, you know, giving value to those people. Right. So she was, you know, really the first artist to name all the women that were working on her projects, you know, and I, for me, I've listed my credits. Like I can't even begin to thank you know, my team members for honoring me and my work and my vision.
1: Yeah. Yeah. That's that's super important.
0: Right. Just really being there for me. Like I have no problem at all saying their names out loud and praising them, you know?
1: Well, let's, let's talk about them and yourself and the capacity of this, this work that you're sharing with us today to reconvene to shoreline uh, is the name of the project. What is this project all about?
0: Well, Transformation, really, I, I think about you know in, in the beginning of this work it was it was the illness and 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 learning how to you know to move again in the world in you know making art, to reconvene to shoreline. I mean it's this place, it's this place where there is a convergence of being and becoming you know the shoreline it's both refuge and passage we emerge from it, we enter through it, you know, what happens, right?
1: The honouring of the land, yeah.
0: Yeah, honouring of sacred earth for me, which, you know, it just offers that reflection of depth and perspective and experience. Finding self, once again, in the natural landscape, because, you know, I lived on the land, my my partner Perry and I, we had a homestead in the bush, you know, growing all our own food, welcoming friends from around the planet, having huge gatherings. Like that's just been our life. And then, you know, this happened. Um, Rheumatoid came to me in a severe way. So I was bedridden for three years and, and then, you know, finally a treatment worked where now, yes, I have days where I'm, you know, I can walk about and other days I have wheelchairs that either electric or transportable, but it's just about navigating the shoreline as it changes minute by minute. You know, one hour can be good and the next hour. Oh, well, I'll be in bed for the rest of the day, you know? Right. Absolutely. And, and so that's like a real mind screw, you know, mm-hmm. it's really like, you know, you know what it's like to have to navigate through all those things. Yeah, 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 yeah and, for sure. And You know, socially, we're not so good at this in our culture. And so, you know, there's lots of denial around it, and and I've really embraced it because I just want to get on with living my potential, mm-hmm. right? So this work navigates idea of separation through illness and disability, lack of access, ideas of return and creativity and You know, it explores how our bodies can be covered in safety and isolation or in hiding and uncovered in kinship, ecstasy and determination. It's really asking people to, you know, just take stock of your own life and your own location in relation to self and earth.
1: So what, is the, what does the installation look like? What will it look like?
0: A 16-minute film that'll be on a loop, of course, and it's grand in size projected on the wall, so 12 feet by 10 feet, really to help you feel like you're within it. Mm-hmm. And then six-channel audio. One of my, you know, who I look up to as an artist is Janet Cardoff, who just does incredible sound art and installation art. I don't know if you've known of her 40-part motet.
1: I do not, but believe you me, it's on my Google list now. Please
0: do that. Please do that. Canadian, um, her and her partner, George, uh, Burris Miller, just
1: just incredible work.
0: Who live and work in British Columbia.
1: Fantastic. I'm definitely going to follow up on yeah. that resource.
0: Yeah. So so the installation is this film that is spoken word, and soundscape, Um, And then these large photographs that have been printed on eco-polyester, all made out of recycled plastic bottles, and and they're banners that hang eight feet by 48 inches. There's five of them. Um, And then there's a mixed media piece that I created throughout this three years of making, and I call it my memory cord. <clears throat> and a memory cord for me is about all the people who have touched us greatly in our lives, people we know and don't know, people who held the door for us the day we got really bad news or, you know, like yeah. we're just, we're so touched by so many people in our lives. So I, I did this by, I hadn't macrameed since I was 12 and I went and I got some cotton and rope and I started macrameing a cord. And then from there, I went and I found at, you know, secondhand bookstore, a very comprehensive baby name book with hundreds and thousands of baby names in it from all over the world. And then I chose uh, five leaf species that symbolized trees around the world and I made little templates of leaves and I cut them out of this book of names but I but I cut them out so that the pages are still there it's just the shape of the leaf right which is covered in all of these names and then with embroidery thread of all colors I sewed these leaves onto my memory cord
1: oh that's beautiful Kim
0: and again, you know, honoring, honoring, you know, everyone who touches us. All people. Us. Yeah. <gasps> I and love make, this idea. It makes us who we are. They make us
1: who we are, right? Yeah. They're all, they're all part of our memory cord, the fabric of who we are. Yeah. Oh, that's given me chills to think about it. And then there's this, this six-channel audio piece that you're talking about. So maybe you can unpack a little bit about what that experience is going to be like.
0: Well, when you listen to Janet Cardoff's work, like I just, it's just so powerful to me, you know, where you walk around the room and perhaps you're standing behind beside one speaker and you, you know, you may hear me say, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you very much, you know, and it's only coming out of that one speaker. Where, you know, the other is like the community. It's the it's the sounds of nature that you'll hear out on the south shore of Nipissing. It's the, you know, it's an old chant that my friend and I are are singing. It's the waves lapping, it's the dock, the dock hitting, right? Just all these things of, you know, that really engages us in memory.
1: So we've got a little sample that we're gonna share with folks. Is there anything that you'd like to say to set up this? little sort of one-minute audio sample.
0: So this piece, what you're hearing will be different than when you're in the gallery, actually, with the speakers, right? Right. But when you hear this piece you're going to play, it it does have all the pieces in it. It's just that when it plays in the gallery, it's broken down into speakers.
1: Right. So we're going to hear, of course, everything played as one sort of, unit as opposed to getting that the yeah the sound coming from different parts of the space
0: which which you will hear the gallery too but if you happen to be standing beside one speaker you know because this isn't loud blaring confusion you know you, you but you'll hear little pieces from different places right
1: I'm excited to get into this Kim let's uh let's go ahead and listen and we'll talk about it when we get back
0: old woman is watching watching over you in the darkness of the storm she is watching she is weaving mending gathering the fragments she is watching over
1: Kim, that was beautiful to listen to. Tell me, is is this you singing in this?
0: Yes, I'm singing parts of it. I mean, because of my illness, I've lost really the strength of my voice. And so 20 years ago, I was teaching this song to women as I traveled about the world. I had learned it. and I was sharing it. You know, it's just this wonderful old chant. And so I had my very good friend, sister Kathy Robitaille, come down from... Serpent River. And and that's her voice you hear, that strong, amazing voice. And I join in with her.
1: It's really quite stunning to listen to. Um, is there any, I don't know, is there any background that you want to give us about how this particular moment came together?
0: You know, Kathy and I talked years ago about, about having this piece, um, you know, recording this piece. And You know, it just worked. It just all finally happened with to reconvene the shoreline. It was so beautiful to, you know, that it happened.
1: Yeah. And and you've got, so you've got the spoken word component, you've got the soundscape component, but it's also what I found on your website and we will encourage people to go there and, and experience it for themselves is there's a visual component. So maybe you can tell us what's in the visuals the visuals are
0: about the earth and just how incredibly abundant and beautiful she is and how our bodies resemble her. And, you know, this very twisted, uh, socialism of like social, social ways of, you know, women being made to look like one thing when, it is so far from the truth and how sexuality and, you know, all these things of objectification. And so this is like my gift to, you know, myself that, you know, I've always loved my body and my size and, you know, whatever that was at whatever age, I, I have never felt any of that shame. And so this is just really a narrative about, reclaiming our place with great beauty.
1: Oh gosh. I, I love every word you're saying. I could probably tattoo them all on my body. Mm. You know what I mean? Like these are words for life that people need to hear. And um, cause I too, like I think about um, what you were saying about, you know, women always being looked at as one thing um, and, yes. and, and not for our, our multiple facets and gifts that we give and, Um, And and how, you know, any any magazine you open will will tell you that you're bad if you're not the size zero zero, you know, skinny, blonde, white, whatever. Right. Um, And how we how we deconstruct that idea is so powerful because I, too, feel like I what my terms are, I call myself a body positive human being. Um, this is the only body I will ever have and whatever it goes through, I need to honor that and, uh, and respect that and support that because, you know, once this body and I are no longer, you know, connected, mind, body connected, you know, I, 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 there's only one way to live your life and that is to honor your body. Um, but, but when we're constantly told by media that we shouldn't, or we can't, that, that can be quite harmful
0: it's twisted right it's so yeah. twisted and so we definitely need to be taking that down like that just has to go it just it has to be you know no more no more right i mean the other the other really big piece to this work is that in my early 30s i connected with the work of maria gimbutis a yugoslavian who Archaeomythology, she, she created this whole new world of being an archaeologist and in her 40s decided to go back to these, um, these unearthings and because they weren't, weren't warfaring, they were given no value. They were right. civilizations that had existed during different times, thousands and thousands of years ago, where everybody was an artist and there were you know unearthed in in these in these villages in these cities in these towns hundreds and thousands of talismans of women's bodies and little sculptures round and and luscious and life-giving right And I met Marlene when I went to Malta with a group of women for, for, for the spring equinox to be in the oldest standing temples on the planet are in Malta. And that was a place of one of these, um, you know, matriarchal societies. And so Marlene is like this really recognized Marlene Salva is her name, you know, she is very recognized in Malta for her literature and her published three poetry books, Time Faring and Ancestral Visions, which is um, the one that I'm, I'm quoting her in. So I met, I met Marlene and I was so moved. She went to different sites with us, the old temples and in the, in, in the museums of these incredible bodies of women everywhere. And and she would you know talk to us about the history of this, so she gave me permission to use one of her poetry pieces, which is in the soundscape. And this woman, she's a she's research officer at the Institute for Peace and Conflict, and you know studies at the Foundation of International Studies, the University of Model. I mean, her work is just international, and I just feel so so blessed, you know that. I get to repeat her words.
1: What a gift that is that she's given you to be able to yeah. to uh, embrace that and, and to include it in your own artistic practice. Yes, yes. Oh my gosh, Kim, time has flown by so fast. Now I hear our, our jingling of the mixed bag. Oh, are, let's do it. Are we doing some mixed bag? Gosh, yeah. it seems like kind of a rough transition, but we're going to jump right on in. Let's do it. All right. I got three questions for you. I got 25 seconds on my magical clock, but we're kind of loose and fast with that clock. Your first question is, what's your favorite junk food? Pizza. Pizza? I love me some pizza. Okay. Whoa, deep dish, thin crust, regular crust. What's the vibe? Thin crust. I'm a thin crust gal myself. Thank yeah, you very much. Plus cheese.
0: And then a really big Greek salad. Ooh, that sounds good. I guess that's me not hungry. junk food, but you know.
1: Well, the Greek salad, I, this is, you know, the the joke about uh, going to McDonald's and having a Big Mac with a Diet Coke that they kind of <laughs> offset the calories that I'm going to say that's the vibe of the pizza. We have a salad with the pizza. We've offset the calories. It's all good. <laughs> Love it. Uh, my next question for you is uh, what's your favorite book?
0: Oh, boy, oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh.
1: Or one that you would just recommend for people to read or one you're reading currently. Uh, Ancient Spirit Rising by Peggy Ayers. Awesome. Yes. That'll be something we'll get people to, to, to look into. And my last question for you is, if you could be any animal for one day, what animal would you choose to be? Owl. An owl. Why an owl? Insight. Ooh, like it. Nocturnal insight, hunter, all sorts of things there.
0: <laughs> yeah, always believed to be the bird that takes us into the underworld.
1: I love that. Mm-hmm. Kim, it's been fascinating having a conversation with you. Tell our listeners where they can find you on the World Wide Web.
0: Kimkitcheninthestudio.com. I use that website as an archive, you know, to really like just have a place for my work for over many years, as well as I have an exhibition right now at Between Pheasants Contemporary. Check that out.
1: Awesome. I really encourage people to take a a look at your website. And thank you so much for spending some time with us on Accessing Art with Amy. Oh, thank you, Amy. Thanks, everyone. And our quote of the day is from Jose Ortega. I am I plus my surroundings. And if I do not preserve the latter, I do not preserve myself. Thanks, everyone, so much to listening to Accessing Art with Amy. This podcast was produced by me, Amy Amanti, with technical production by Jacob Szymanski, And the manager of AMI-audio is Andy Frank. If you would like to share with us any feedback at all, we would love to hear from you. Here's how you can contact us. By phone at 1-866-509-4545 or via email at feedback at ami.ca. Thanks again to my special guest today, Kim Kitchen. Keep exploring, everyone, and we'll see you next
0: time. Hi, I'm Ramiya Amithan. Join me weekly for AMI Audiobook Review, the podcast that explores new titles, introduces us to famous narrators, and updates what's hot at the Center for Equitable Library Access. Download episodes of AMI Audiobook Review from your favorite podcast provider.